This week's episode of Atlanta Zone is brought to you by Baby Grill. Are you sick of seeing those people with their $800 big green eggs and their uh, fancy state-of-the-art grills? Pick up a Baby Grill. It'll cost you $30 at Sam's Club and cooks everything just as well, if not better. Plus, you can stick it in any trunk you would like. Baby Grill. I don't know what brand it is. That's Baby Grill. (laughs) Also, this week's show is sponsored by Douglas Brand Toilets. Do you guys like hosting parties at your place? And with you got all the chicken wings, the pizza, the beer. We all know what this could lead to. Massive dumps that clog your toilet. Well, pick yourself up a Douglas Brand Toilet. It doesn't even have the back with the water. It's literally impossible to clog it. Also, it's part of the foundation of the building. So if a tornado or hurricanes, as we've seen lately, ever come through, I promise you that Douglas Brand Toilet will still be standing. Douglas Toilets, brought to you by The Blue. Let's start the show. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, always a pleasure to be back in the Graham Waldrop studios. Uh, we had some flooding back at the Kalal studios this uh, past week. Very with, unfair. Yeah, with Irma coming through, so that was a bummer, so we had to... Pack up the uh, mic and all of our equipment, and here we are. Yep, it was an arduous trek over here, the uh, 15 minutes, and no damage over here at the Graham Waldrop Studios, though. That's fantastic. Although there was some damage done, maybe to the Falcon self-esteem on uh, Sunday. Mm, that's the that's the take you're going with immediately, huh? Yep, we're just going to jump right into it, folks. Um, we'll jump into what happened with the Falcons this weekend. Week one against Chicago at Soldier Field. The Falcons escaped with a 23-17 victory. Uh, not the most convincing victory in the world. A lot of people I know were predicting that we would just steamroll the Bears, yours truly included. We went by 20-plus points. Wouldn't be a contest. We found out that the team that uh, we saw last year with the Falcons are not going to be the same team this year. Not to say that, that is a very premature take. Now, let me just say this. Before. I could already tell this would be one of our more heated episodes now, in a while. I'm not, I agree with him. I'm not going to... Now, you didn't let me finish, though. I apologize. That's not to... Well, s- Right, I'm just going to say it's not going to be a seamless transition to running the floor with all these people, with the exception of the Super Bowl, with all these other teams, and then roll into this year with the same exact results. We saw what happened last year, week one, when we lost to Tampa Bay at home. We all thought the season was over. We were fucked. We overreacted. Shame on us because yes. we won the NFC Championship. Yes. So the same thing can happen this year, and we still got the you know the win, and that was the important thing. However, there were a lot of concerns, um, I think, after you watched this game. Okay. What did she say, sir? That's all I'm going to say. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, not, I'm not like freaking out. I'm just saying it wasn't it wasn't the seamless transition we thought was going to happen, where we were just going to come in and just destroy the Bears. Because you know, if we had played this team, you know, in December of last year, we would have beaten them by 30 points. I think we may have jumped the gun a little bit on this episode, so let's go ahead and put this in neutral real quick. And we do need to point out that we have a special guest in studio this week. Uh, I don't see anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have an extra body here. Uh, his name is Charles Gabriel Peacock. Um, and he's going to come in a little later, but he's a little loud, so you might hear him chiming in in the background every now and then. So we're going to do... Mindless comments. Exactly. It's all meaningless, everything that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> but I feel like we need to let the users know that he's in the building, at least. Yeah, it'll probably be uneditable because, you know... You can you, you can hear uh, you can hear good old Chuck from uh, about six miles away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anywho, so happy to be here. <laughs> there he is. But we'll, we'll get back to Chuck in a while here. So no, that's all the point I was trying to make. I'm not saying the season's okay. over. I'm not freaking out. I'm just saying the seamless transition we expected. There's still there's there's going to be a bit of a learning curve here with new coordinators and with just getting the rust out from the first game of the season. Right, and that's a completely fair point. Yep. Um, and also. Just being week one, you don't know what either of these teams are, really. 
Like the Bears aren't the same team they were last year. Correct. Like, Neither are we. Like exactly. Yeah. I mean, on paper we have a very similar football team, but we got new coordinators, we have new personnel, we have guys like Desmond Trufant who are coming back from uh, you know, season ending injuries that haven't played in almost a year, you know, and competitively. So yeah. You know, week one is always an adventure in the NFL. And a lot of our starters like <clears throat> Devonte and Desmond and Julio, a lot of these guys didn't play much in preseason at all. Right. So they're still working off for us too. Mm-hmm. And we saw with the number of injuries throughout the NFL that you have to be careful. And we definitely did seem to take more of a uh, conservative approach to play calling. Yeah, there didn't seem to be a lot of diversity in play calls. Not to say like you're looking for trick plays or anything, but it seemed like a pretty standard offensive package. There wasn't a lot of, you know... Uh, from what I could tell, from what I heard, I didn't see the first two quarters and a half because I had something scheduled at the same time as the game, which was absolutely stupid. How'd you do that? Well, it was something I, I had had to do, and we scheduled it a few weeks before the game. And I watched this great Falcons hype video. The guy, the uh, the bald guy who does the Falcons hype video, with the gap in his teeth, the gap in his teeth. I yeah, think we all know. What you're yeah, he holds about. the football in his hands, and he says he's incredibly, He's incredible, got a really cool voice. Gives, too. Yeah, he gives these incredibly uh, powerful motivational speeches while intercut with all these amazing highlights of the Falcons. And I watched that video on Saturday morning. And I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm ready for the game tomorrow." And I was like, "Oh shit, I got to go to this uh, thing at 12:30." And so that was uh, very unfair. That's when you call in sick. Or push it. Yeah. Well, I couldn't. But anyways, so I'm going to rely on you, Adam, because I, I watched some <laughs> some highlights of the first half and watched a little bit of uh, you know action from there. But you watched the whole thing, so I'm going to rely on you a little bit for a recap here in the first half, at least. Okay. Yeah. So I've in terms of play calling, what did you see that you liked, didn't like from the offensive offensive standpoint? Right. So in my opinion, I think has changed as I've had a little more time throughout the week to. Uh, Simmer and just think it all through. Um, but my initial feeling was, that, like I said, everything did feel much more conservative than we've seen in the past. It, it definitely, I think whoever was uh, calling that game for Fox uh, said it kind of seemed like a Mike Smith era oh, Jesus. Falcons offense with like Michael Turner just running up the gut and mm-hmm. a lot of passes in the backfield and just 10 yards out and like not taking any deep shots to these weapons that we have. Which is interesting because I know heading into the season, you know, we all know Julio's an amazing deep threat, but we've also heard a lot about, you know, Taylor Gabriel is going to be used more in the vertical passing game. Uh, you know, he is a lethal short uh, short game receiver in terms of his, you know, when he catches a screen, and if he has good blocking, he could, he could bust a touchdown anywhere on the field. But so we heard a lot about, you know, we're going to take more shots with Gabriel as well as Julio this year. So yeah. it was interesting that – I mean, it kind of makes sense, too. It's Sarkeesian's first um, – you know, his first uh, regular season game as a NFL offensive coordinator. So maybe he's just, you know, getting used to it. But it seemed like it was an inspired play calling from what I what I heard and yeah, what but you're saying. You can also look at the other side of it is where, yes, we put up huge numbers with Shannon Hanton. But how often did Shanahan's plays and not being conservative result in, like, interceptions or turnovers? Sure, that happened, and that's just the risk you take with a guy like Shanahan because he is aggressive, and we saw that all throughout the season, and we saw we saw it, you know, serve us well, and we saw it destroy us in the lose Super Bowl. A, lose us a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, and this team this year, I mean, the defense looked really solid. I would say outside of the – I think they looked a little gassed in the second half. They did miss 11 tackles. Um, yeah, that was the big kickers, the missed tackles. Yeah, but but they laid some people out, and yeah. the defense won the game at the end. So we got to give them credit. Yeah, I mean they did what we couldn't do last year with the defenses. Yes, they were driving on us, but somebody made a play. And right. Bottom line, that's what matters. Right. Where in the Super Bowl we couldn't get that done. Yeah. And I, I could see with this team, it's going to be like who would have ever called Brooks Reed making that play at the end of the game. Like, oh, no for, one. For all the shit that he gets. Yeah. Um, I wanted to trade him the last yeah, show. Yeah, like, mainly from, like, maybe you're the one to hear all the shit coming from. <laughs> <laughs> Other people have said it. No, I think if you go to the social medias and the Twitter sphere and all that. Spear? Sphere. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter sphere. It's a spear. <laughs> 
Yeah, you hear that as well. But um, yeah, bottom line, Brooks. I mean, he made a play at the end of the game that won us the ball game. So what else did you see defensively? We got four sacks in the game. Brooks had two sacks, including the game-ending one. Vic Beasley got a sack as well. Yes, I mean, the pressure was my first thing that I just noticed that it was just constant. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, Tack got in there a couple times. Like, he didn't put anything in the stat sheet. But he had this one play. I can't remember if it was the first half or the second half where he almost brought uh, Glennon down. But then he was also the guy to make the tackle at like on the sidelines, mm-hmm. which I mean, can you imagine any of our DNs back in like three, four years ago ever getting in the backfield, almost making a play, and then sprinting back out and making the tackle on the same play? No, and and I think that's just because of the, the personnel that Quinn has selected for this team and, and drafted. Uh, it has, it's been really important to him that it's 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 a fast team. And you overuse a little bit that fast and physical, hashtag fast and physical, as everyone oh. likes to say, um, nomenclature. But, I mean, that is this team in a nutshell. They are fast, and they, they, they fucking level you. And um, they're physical. And they're physical, Gabe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God Gabe's here today. Yep. Um, aside from that, yeah, Dev- Devondre Campbell, he was just all over the field. Did you see the play he made in the end zone? Uh, when was it? I th- I don't know if it's first half or second half. Well, this is not very helpful. <laughs> well, you would know it. You would know it. Like it, we were, they had the ball. The Bears had the ball on like the thirty. Yeah. And uh, wide receiver? No, it was uh, Tariq. Oh, Tariq Cohen. Cohen. Yeah. Yeah, he got set loose and um, was in the end zone, and Devondre followed him the entire thirty yards and just stuck his hands up and made a hell of a play. But like for a linebacker to stick with, I did see that. Yeah. yeah. No, that yeah. was a hell of a play. Yeah, that just shows the talent that that kid has. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Robert Alford too. He played some really solid defense. Had three uh, passes def- uh, deflected, defensed. Um, he looked good. Um, Trufant looked a little slow. Definitely a little rusty. I feel like he was getting beaten at times. And we really let Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Uh, I will refer to from henceforth as the human joystick because that man has uh, Madden 2005-esque abilities yeah. uh, in terms of the way he makes, peop- uh, makes people miss. Um, he had like 105 all-purpose yards. I know Howard racked it up a little bit. I know our emphasis heading into the game was to contain uh, the Bears' running game. but They didn't know about Cohen. Though. They didn't know about Cohen. That's fair. However... Um, it seemed like people were getting beaten underneath a lot, especially in the second half. I know the Bears were coming back and they were down most of the game, um, but it seemed like we were just getting killed in the flat and the short passes to the running backs, yeah. be it either Howard or Cohen. So I think that's certainly something to keep an eye on going forward. And obviously, you'd rather give that up than the big play downfield. But you know, especially when um, James, the receiver, got hurt, and you know he, he just he's been. One of the uh, the big Bears draft picks in the last couple of years, and they you know they drafted him to sort of take over for for Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey, and you know he went out of the game, and so they didn't really have a lot of people left, and it's like why you know I don't understand why we weren't able to contain the the screen game more because that is the approach they were taking throughout the game in terms of hurting us, and it just seemed like we we just could not uh, contain that very well. Yeah, I mean. Like I said, though, Cohen, I feel like they made some adjustments on Cohen in the second half. Um, and really, you said he put up, what, 100 all-purpose yards? Yeah, I think 60, yeah, something like that. 40 of them were on a missed tackle by Brooks Reed, who I was about to be giving a lot of shit until he gave the uh, game-winning sack. Game-winning sack. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They definitely wore down in the fourth quarter, but at the end of the day, they got the hold on the goal line, which... Although it helped that Jordan Howard dropped that pass. Yeah, we, we got lucky there that he dropped that pass. And, you know, when they were fourth down at their, what, five or ten-yard line, something like that. Or no. First down. Sorry, first down at their five yeah. or ten-yard line. They had four plays to score, and we held them. And maybe we got bailed out by that <coughs> drop pass. But it's not an easy thing to do. No. Hold them for four straight plays. Yeah, and so that was good to see. And I think you can take that momentum into next week against Green Bay. Because, um, or I guess this week, because that's a hell of a way to end the game. And also, even though I know the Super Bowl hangover effect, you know, is is not in the forefront of the players' minds, you would have to think if we lose that game to Chicago, a game we should easily win, 
that's going to creep up. That's going to start the creep up process. Oh, yeah. And so to end the game on a sack, clutch as hell, ride that momentum <laughs> in, in, into this week and get ready for this uh, dangerous-looking Packers team. Yeah, because, I mean, down. if we're 0-1 with Green Bay coming in and then we're looking at yeah, everyone's thinking, oh, shit, could be 0-2 real quick right, right here. Right, right. Uh, no, that's a three-game losing streak. Yeah. Right. Throw in the Super Bowl. Fair enough. So, no, you could see, I don't know if you saw any of the uh, videos – about how just like stoked they were in the locker room afterwards, like they were partying in the locker room, mm-hmm. which is great to see. Um, and you just saw Coach Coach Bro was fired up on the sidelines after as soon as that sack was made. So yeah. I think they knew how big that win was just for the psyche. Yeah, because they sure. the old uh, was it twenty three six, twenty eight three, twenty eight three. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's always in. Uh, that was in the back of their mind the whole time, even if they were acting like it wasn't. Sure. Um, yeah. So Falcons win. Adam, what are your three? We um, have a new little feature here for our, our Falcons segments moving forward. <coughs> we're going to do three three takeaways, positive and negative. Since I'm the uh, masochistic, crazy motherfucker, I'll do the negative. Adam will do the positive. And so Adam, we'll, we'll start with you. What are three positive takeaways from the uh, from the game this I week? I want to end on the negatives. It's just the way we like to do things. Here. <laughs> hey, you don't just get to walk in here and, and dictate yeah. how the show goes. This right? is all thought through ahead of time, very thoroughly. Yeah. Okay. Minutes of prep, all right? <laughs> so. Tens of seconds of prep. Number one. This is our first time we won on the road in Chicago since the 80s. Holy mackerel. So... That's a big deal. You know? I disagree. How, um, Grant, how do you disagree? Explain how you disagree. The, the caliber of opponent. How do you know what the Bears are? They're not the same team they were last year. They week. are who we thought they were. No, if they are who the, we thought they were, we, we would have beat points. Yeah. Yes, of course. I just wanted to say that because you kind of set it up. But the caliber of opponent's not very good, so I don't really give a shit about that. Uh, how do you know they're not away. good? Mike Glenn is a quarterback. They don't Mike have a receiving Glennon court. Glennon torched us in Tampa nonstop. Yeah, that's when we sucked. They got Tariq. I mean, they got a hell of a running back combo. They have a good running back combo. Their defense, like the their defense, the defense is, is solid. I will say that, but their the receiving court blows. They're not a three and thirteen team. No, they're they'll go six and ten, seven and nine, be semi respectable. But I, I I don't care that this is the first time we went to Chicago on that one because of the caliber of opponent. They're not they're not a contender. They're not a playoff team. A seven and they nine. came out. We were in a hostile environment. They played well enough to to hang with us. Point is, it's the NFL where tough to win on the road. Any team can win on what's the name of that movie? Any, any given, given Sunday, yeah. you say. There you go, Gabe. Oh, unless you're uh, the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> so bottom line is that's a huge win and. Even if it wasn't what we thought it was going to be, we got the W. Fair. So that's number one and most important. Number two, we have a pass rush, Graham. Fair. And it's only going to improve from here. Now, Terry Poe, I didn't see a lot of him. He had no tackles. No tackles, and Grady Jarrett didn't really do much either. Yep. So I'm hoping those guys will be able to (coughs) uh, factor in. I thought they were going to be more impactful just because – of the emphasis on the running game. Those are two defensive tackles at the middle, but you know, didn't, didn't, didn't see them really do much, uh, this game. But as you're saying, go ahead. Sorry. I'm not trying to hijack your Oh no, no, please, please. I I, Um, I like just setting you up. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean, four sacks are four sacks and, uh, that's, that's great to see. Um, yeah, I mean, two years ago, I think we were dead last in the league in sacks. Last year we were last middle year we were middle of the road. Yeah, and uh, I think we had like eight sacks going into that game in Denver, in like week six, before Vic Beasley like lost his mind and, and got three sacks <clears> in that game, and then wound up to lead the NFL in sacks. So yeah. I mean, it's fantastic that we're opening the season with, with with four sacks, even if it's against the Bears. I mean, I'll take it, man. That's what we should be doing. And that was another thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, <clears throat> I'll credit this to uh, the Falcoholic podcast where they were just discussing Brooks Reed and how huge that sack was. Mm-hmm. And it's like, for all the shit he gets, like, have you ever seen Vic Beasley get a sack, like, in that situation, that clutch situation at the end of a game? No. No. It's like the force, like, I mean, put up huge numbers. I love Vic. 
but like he never seems to get them in those super crunch time moments. Yeah, it's like you know, I remember last year that game against I think it was the Rams, and we won like forty to nine or whatever it was. He had like three sacks, but I mean, they're all in moments where it's like even if he doesn't get that sack, we're gonna win the game. Yeah, yeah. So, anywho, pass rush number yep. two. Uh, number three, I pretty much discussed that at large already, so I'm going to come up with a new one and say Matt Ryan. I love the evolution of Matt Ryan. Did you see the play, the big uh, Austin Hooper? I did. I had yard touchdown. I had to contain myself uh, really because I wanted to just get up and scream when I saw that. That was awesome. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it's just great to see, but like the biggest part of that, I mean, the stiff arm was obviously badass by Hooper, but like also the way Matt moved around in the pocket mm-hmm. and uh, he was almost down on his knee and a, Matt Ryan a few years ago might've just gone down, yep. taken the sack, yep. but I mean, and he got killed on that play too. Oh yeah. He got absolutely obliterated. Yeah. The two guys just speared him. Yeah. So and I mean, stern him in the chest and it was, it was ugly. I just love the way Matt's evolved and I mean, he's going to end up as the greatest Falcon of all time. Yeah, no you, doubt in my mind. You would agree? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I I, mean, regardless of if we won a championship or not, I think he is the best Falcons quarterback of all time. He's a, he's the winningest Falcons quarterback of all time already. He, yeah, no doubt. When he retires, he, he is the greatest. He is, he is the GOAT for the Falcons. Yeah. So as long as he stays healthy, yeah, we have a chance to do something special this year. Agreed. So here are my uh, three negative takeaways. So Graham, bring us all down. Yeah. Uh, Desmond Trufant looked a little rusty out in the field. It seemed like he was getting beaten on routes. Um, just didn't seem to have a lot of gas in the tank. That's to be expected because I think he was injured in like October of last year or November, early November. Uh, it's been a while since he's played a full, um, you know, 60 minutes out there. So uh, that's to be expected, I think, before he gets into a rhythm. But um, that is one thing I noticed, you know. I mean, there were a couple of catches on him. It's not like he got. He didn't get, like, torched or anything, but yeah. he just looked slow. He just didn't He just didn't look like the same aggressive Trufant I'm used to seeing. And I think that's just him getting back into the rhythm of things. So I'll get a big test this week in Jordy Nelson. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so there's nowhere to go but up from here for Trufant. We know what he's capable of doing. He's one of the best corner, you know, cornerbacks in the NFL in terms of pure pass coverage. So I, I have no concerns there, but that was just one thing to notate was he looked a little, uh, little slow there. Um, my second takeaway was uh, Schweitzer, uh, Wes Schweitzer, who is our new right guard. Uh, he, he did not look good. It probably got manhandled at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think they were kind of picking on old uh, Schweitz. Yeah. The Bears, they knew he was a brand Yeah, new. and that's fine. Yeah. But, I mean, like, he did not really show up, in my opinion. Um, there were four pressures on Matt Ryan. Pro Football Focus attributed three of those pressures to, uh, you know, being on Schweitzer. And um, I think that's something to watch going forward. I'm not going to freak out about it yet. because That's good. I'm proud of you. Because this is his first start. This is his first game. He didn't even play last year. I think that's something that everybody needs to keep in mind before you shit yourself, is that Wes Schweitzer hasn't... You need to keep that in mind. I'm just pointing out something. <laughs> Peanut gallery. Um, <laughs> is that... Uh, you know, Schweitzer, this is his first start and his first game overall. He's, he hasn't even, he didn't even played last year in a reserve role. So, I mean, there there is room for growth, but he looked like he got manhandled out there. He didn't look clueless or anything, but he was getting just – he was being toyed with. And um, I never understand how you fully evaluate a offensive lineman. It's like when you say a statement like that, where, yeah. you, where you sitting there throughout the game – Circling Schweitzer, and <laughs> I was just watching every single play to see how. Anytime Matt was pressured, I was I, I, I noticed that stuff. I always when I watch games, I keep my eye on the line of scrimmage first because that is where you win and lose the football game. So you're not worried about what Julio's doing. I can't see. You'll who, see that later on. Yeah, like I'll see it once the ball is released, then I'll look up and find out where the hell it's going. I'm watching the line of scrimmage because the game is more in the trenches, Adam. So even what, even what, even when, when I'm at a when, game, when I'm, the ball is snapped, your eye was on Schweitzer. No, my eye is on line. my eye is on the line, and my peripheries, my peripheries. So you're my not peripheries. watching Matt see what he's doing with that let ball. Me, let me finish. You're interrupting again. 
just being a DC liberal. And and your <laughs> and my peripheral vision, I'm keeping an eye on the quarterback, but my focus is on the line of scrimmage. I didn't keep track of the pressures, like the numbers. I got that from Pro Football Focus, as I mentioned. Yeah, you, you stated that. But first. I am keeping my eye on the line of scrimmage. And it's hard to evaluate offensive linemen because you don't hear about stats where, you know, it's like, oh, he, he held his block. There's no stat for that. You got a pancake block where you, like, fucking push a guy and he falls on his back. But I, I played Madden. I know what a pancake block is. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It, it's uh, – I, I think so, it, you can judge who wins and loses those fights. Yeah, you can you can see who's who's uh, you know winning winning in the trenches and and Schweitzer certainly was not. Okay, so I I just got to learn how to watch these things. Yeah, okay. just focus your attention on the line. All right. Um. But I mean, I'm not going to freak out yet. I'm not going to call for his head. I'm not going to say Ben Garland get in there and take over his job. I'm just saying that. It was something to, to, to keep in mind. And I think that, you know, these first two with Trufant being rusty and Schweitzer not playing too well, um, there's only room to improve here, especially Trufant. We know where we're going to get Schweitzer will hopefully evolve. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's just something to keep in mind. I w- I'm going to definitely keep an eye on how many pressures he gives up per week, more so than the other guys, because this is his, this is his first year. Okay. Um, That's fair. And my third takeaway is that I think the coordinators both have a long way to go in terms of their schemes, um, particularly on offense with with uh, Sarkeesian. As we mentioned, it's his first um, game as a NFL offensive coordinator. Conservative play calling for the most part. Um, our best play came on a, a broken coverage play uh, that Austin Hooper 88-yard touchdown and when that's your best play, that has nothing to do with Sarkeesian's scheme. That was just Matt Ryan making a hell of a throw under duress, and the Bears sucking ass at covering Austin Hooper. So I am a little, con- you know, I'm once again first game, not going to freak out. Just something to monitor. Well, I really want to see him take some more chances against a Packers secondary that is very vulnerable, despite what they did against Seattle, who doesn't have the best receiving core in the world. They are a vulnerable secondary. They are not very good. And I want to see him take more risks well, against them. Keep in mind, A, we put up 23 points, right? Correct. Would you call that low point output? I mean, I, I know we're used to 30 because right. that was last that was year, a, but that was a we set offense. records last yeah, year. Yeah, that was, that was the eighth best offense. So of one more touchdown, and that's 30 points. Sure. Uh, B... The run didn't get going at all, but he stuck with it, which I liked. Yeah, but and and that's yeah we couldn't get the run going at all. So that could be your boy Schweitzer. That could be. It could be. And Devonte not really playing in the preseason. Yeah, I think I had a C. But um, and even <laughs> <laughs> and uh, even with uh, wait, what'd you say about C? A third point. He had a third point. Oh, sorry. All I heard was C. A, B, and then oh, C. Yeah, go ahead. I I thought you meant like I thought you were just having a. Thought you were having a a mental mind fart or a stroke or something. I just heard C. I was like, whatever. I like how you trained to just (laughs) roll through that. I thought I don't know. I just thought your uh, your brain lapsed out there for a second. Go ahead with your C point. He doesn't have it. Lost it. Well, fuck off then. All right. In terms of Marquand Manuel, who's our defensive coordinator, um, you know we weren't able to really successfully contain the uh, Chicago Bears backfield. So it'll be interesting to see him now have to transition his scheme to facing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, who are just and Aaron Rodgers is going to drop back and throw fifty attempt fifty passes in the game because they don't really have like a, a really big running game. So it'll be interesting to see his strategy there uh, because it's going to be a totally different scheme. I know a lot of people complain about Takaris McKinley only getting like 14 snaps or something like that in this game. I think that's just because we were trying to contain the backfield and he's more of a pass rusher than a run stuffer. So I feel like Tack's going to get on the field more and it's going to be interesting to see his strategy against a pass-oriented offense that is reliant on receivers as opposed to a run-oriented offense dependent on obviously halfbacks. I think that that wasn't Thoroughly negative, Graham. I know. We have a uh, question from the audience. 
please. Can I ask questions? Sure. Yeah. Gabe, go ahead and hop on in here. Why? Hold on. Yeah, get over here because we had a complaint last week Mike. about... Uh, yeah. Hop on the couch. Well, hang on. Can you not... No, just... just Come over here, you what fool. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, Sit on the ground like some damn Steven Dwarf. <laughs> Steven Dwarf. Uh, lean forward. Yeah, lean what's, forward. The, what's the deal with Shanahan? And, like, why did Shanahan, after our unreasonably good offense last year... So this is good. Gabe kind of brings in the perspective of the less informed You're fan. every man. The yeah, casual, yeah, yeah. casual yeah. quote-unquote fan. That's why I was raising my hand, yes. is I wanted to... I know I'm not as educated. Shanahan as is now the head coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Right. Maybe you've heard of him. I have, in fact. <laughs> so generally, a head coaching position is above more <laughs> the uh, coordinator position. Oh, sure, sure. So, okay. like career trajectory, you're going to want to head there. Yes. I guess. So it. that's why that's, he left. That's the cream of the crop. Which, and if, where was Sarkeesian before this? Sarkeesian was at uh, University of Southern California. He coached a well-renowned offensive coordinator. Yeah, coached yes. coached a lot in the Pac-10. Right. Had a drinking problem mm. and was released. You yeah, know so, about these? So there, yeah, uh, there was a bit of drama behind that, but gotcha. uh, he's gone through his rehab and come out better for it. And uh, and ultimately, you're worried that he's not going to be the the gunner that Shanahan. Was. I'm not necessarily. I'm not necessarily. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, like Shanahan had flaws <laughs> as an offensive coordinator. I mean, I, I went to the the Seahawks. Falcons divisional playoff game last year, and I was with my mom, and we were talking. Um, and it, there was a risk Shanahan took where he, he, where Matt threw a deep pass to, I can't remember who it was, Julio or, or Tevin or somebody. And I was like, and we were up by like twelve points at this point. I'm like, why the fuck are we Why throwing are the ball that? 30 yards right. downfield? And I, I, I said to her, and I was like, you know, we completed that pass, but this is gonna fuck us at some point. Lo and behold, Super Bowl fucked us. So, I mean, Shanahan did a hell of a job with the offense. You want the balance. It's just like, I don't know what to expect from Sarkeesian or Marquand Manuel, who's our new defensive coordinator, because these are two, and I have more faith in Manuel because he's under the tutelage of Dan Quinn, and Dan Quinn's obviously a defensive genius. But Sark, I don't know what to expect at this point. I know he's running a very similar offense to Shanahan. It's not like we're changing the offense. I just, after watching that, Display against the Bears, and your best play is a broken 88-yard touchdown pass that was, you know, only done through the guts of Matt Ryan and a really bad coverage right. by the Bears. That that, that kind of scares me a little bit, even though it's only the the only week one. Yeah, and like much like I said about preseason, week one obviously matters. It's a big win, but you can't tell too much. No, about a team from week one, and even just some, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, please. Well, you've you've said so about like them losing their gas tank, but at the same time, it's the first game. They're just not used to like, sure, like that's going to get better. Yeah, yeah, definitely because no one, you know, you don't play a full preseason yeah. game. So and you know, and it was, I read something with Matt Ryan uh, where he read a really interesting article in the Players Tribune uh, this or last week, and um, you know he was talking about after we lost the game against Kansas City last uh, last year. On the uh, we were going for a two point conversion and Matt threw an interception. Oh was like, yeah, that's brutal. And, and and they returned the two point conversion for uh, oh that was brutal for, yeah. for two points themselves and they won the game. Uh, he was like after that everything just kind of clicked and that was like week eleven of last year. So yeah. NFL was a long season. There's a lot of room for growth and adjustments. There's no reason for anyone to wig out yet. It's just things to be conscientious of. That's all. Plus that's the only point I'm trying to make. Big thing to keep in mind. I us, that. us going to the Super Bowl. <clears throat> That means we're going to get every team's best shot. Yeah, yeah, and we definitely have, like we have to earn respect again this year. No one cares that we went to the Super Bowl last year. They care in the sense that they want to kick our ass. Yes, but like that, right. we can't just walk on the field and and expect not to perform. Yeah, right. and I think this was a healthy wake up call for the team, and to end the game on a sack was solid. So, I think wins a win, and I think we're ready to move on. Yeah, and we got the uh, so looking ahead to the Packers. Real quick before we get to the Gabe Peacock interview, um, the Packers won their last game against the Seahawks, seventeen to nine, in thoroughly convincing fashion. They dominated the game. They really shut down Russell Wilson. Um, it was a, definitely a defensive struggle, but gotta think Aaron Rodgers and company are looking for revenge for last year's NFC Championship game. The defense looks a lot better than it did last year on the Packers side from watching that game. Um, what do you think will happen this week, Adam? I don't make predictions, Graham. Fair enough. At all? You won't give your 
I always think we're going to lose. Always think. <laughs> you're now supposed the, to now be the pessimism. Yeah, you're supposed the to be the optimist. I think as far as predictions go, I never go into a game thinking we're going to win a game. Hmm. Set I, your goals low and you're never disappointed. You've got to set the bar super low. And then, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Feel excited. Right. Uh, um, but for the sake of conversations, sake. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to pull out a win, but it's going to be a shootout. Yeah. No, I, I think it's 32-30. 32-30 Falcons. Brooks Reed gets a sack. <laughs> At the end. <laughs> to on take the out goal Aaron, line. To take out Aaron Rodgers. Yep, after four straight stops of Aaron Rodgers on the five. Yeah. I, th- I, th- <laughs> I think we're going to... Uh, Bold. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to definitely figure out some things about how this Falcons team starts to perform under pressure. you got to set the tempo at the beginning. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how we react to the primetime game. Packers coming in. First first game in the Great Anus. First game in the Great Anus, a.k.a. the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And uh, it should be, yeah, I agree with you, I think it's going to be over over 50 points, um, you know, in terms of team totals. I think it's going to be a, a shootout, and it's definitely going to be a lot closer than an NFC Championship game. So, It'll be uh, interesting to see how that one plays out. I, I just know. hate the Packers, man. I do, too. There's going to be so many cheeseheads running around downtown Do you, do you hate week. Aaron Rodgers? Yes. yes. Really? I hate him because he beat me in the playoffs. Yeah, obviously we would love all these players that they played for our team. Right. I don't think that's always true. Can you imagine if Tom Brady was our quarterback, how much I would love that man? Oh, yeah. I would I would have an altar to Tom Brady. But if he won me five Super Bowls. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, but right. Which leads me into my next little story. Um <laughs> I learned this past week, so I went over to uh, one of our friends, Jared, who's a Patriots fan, to watch the opening game, Patriots-Chiefs, with him and what turned out to be four other Patriots oh, fans, no. which I was not expecting, and you they were, were all donning jerseys as well. Yeah. And I thought I was cool with it. I thought I was over the Super Bowl. The more the game went on and the more I saw them cheering, the more upset I got and just had flashbacks to the Super Bowl. And I think the Patriots might officially be my biggest arch nemesis in oh, yeah. all of sports right now. I was more affected by the loss because of how it affected y'all. Like, it made me so upset to see <laughs> <laughs> y'all were so upset. We were broken men. Yeah, I know. Yep. Graham slammed the shit out of the door. <laughs> oh, Graham. Hey, we're getting revenge right now. Atlanta United's beaten the New England Revolution the four tar. to nothing. Yeah. Just That's don't gross. choke on that lead, guys. There we go. There we go. We've had possession for 75% of the time. Anywho, point is, <laughs> point is, I'm very excited about our rematch with the Patriots later this year. Week seven. That's, we'll that's we'll, we'll know what kind of team we have at that point, I think, yeah. in terms of at least if we can possibly be contenders. And we will, although the Patriots are one of the worst teams in the league right now. Oh, and one. And they looked like garbage. Yeah, their they, defense uh, like put the three of us in the backfield. <laughs> We're doing all right. Yeah, like we can make some moves on the Patriots. Yeah. Wow. Basically, it'll be if can Tom Brady just you know. Well, you would be our fullback. Coax them <laughs> to a. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, particularly in my more portly days. <laughs> but anyway. Um, that wraps yeah, us up. For I the think Falcons. that wraps us up for the Falcons. All right, so welcoming uh, Gabe Peacock formally into his interview now. You've heard from him before uh, in this episode Which during our Falcons unplanned, recap. Unplanned, but like Gabe, he likes to he likes to just say, "Hey, can I come over?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> which he happens to do in many a social situation. But um, he used to do that at the Waldrop household. Oh, all the time. But uh, so we're not going to do any Braves stuff. We're not going to do any Hawks stuff. We're going to jump right into the Gabe Peacock uh, interview here. So, Adam, I'll let you uh, kick it off here with um, a little, little, little context about Gabe. I guess you can you can fill the users. Oh no! In please, here. please, please! No, no, no! I, I would prefer no. Uh, go ahead. Well, little context about Gabe in the sense that um, he is the epitome of what the rest of America thinks about Atlanta sports. Uh, not as interested, you know, not as die hard. Very fair weather. Ca- fair weather, very casual, doesn't watch a lot of games, doesn't really give a shit, doesn't affect his life that much. He's like, <laughs> I want him to win. I want him he to win. He wants him to win, but he doesn't really think about it, doesn't really 
wreak his psyche. He's not bitching about it on the social media. He's not. It's not going to affect my Monday. Yeah, he's going to be able to go to work the day after the Super Bowl and be like this bright, chippy little bastard. Which, when you put it like this, it sounds like the way a normal, healthy human being probably should be, <laughs> as opposed to letting this. Yeah, dominate their lives. Yeah. yeah, which is why let us go back to the term fan, which is short for fanatic, which means you are a fucking crazy person is who that, likes sports. Is that is, is that what a fan is short for? I didn't know that. Yes. Fanatic? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You learned something. You checked the etymology on that? Of course. That's like one of these common known what have you. No, I don't think that's correct. It's derived from fanatic. I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, that is how it works. Didn't know that. So Gabe is the antithesis of, <laughs> of y'all. Of, of, of Adam and I. So it'll be a very interesting... Let's just set the context for you users out there. Yeah. yeah. So to be fair, Graham and I don't dislike people like Gabe who are a little more fair weather. But to his credit, he's at least loyal to Atlanta sports. Still want the Atlanta teams to win. Correct. He's not here like... I'm not going to get a call from him one night and say, hey, Adam, you want to go watch the Dodgers? They're in the World Series. Hell no. He's not going to care about things like that. He's not going to be... Or some bastards from Tampa Bay cheering for the Steelers for no freaking reason. When did that happen? I'm just saying, you meet people <laughs> in various places that like the yes. Steelers. It's like, why do you like the yeah, Steelers? Packer, what emotional attachment do you have to them? Uh, we actually they're, met they're some... America's, they're, um, they're an American team. I can... <laughs> I was about to entertain the other idea. Don't do it. Go ahead. I know. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? It's like guys from a weird place like Tampa Bay will cheer for the popular team. will cheer for the Cowboys. will cheer for yeah, the Steelers. Right. will cheer for the, the Patriots, the Packers. It's like, why? The Red what? Sox. The Red Sox. Well, the Red Sox. Yeah. What, what, what connection have you formed with them to cheer for them, to be a fan? To be a fan to me is a very serious responsibility. It's fun, but you gotta take you gotta have pride. And you can't just give your love away like it's some so cheap a whore. popular team. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like ridiculous. a dog versus a cat. Cram and, and fairness, cats withhold their love. So we got Gay Peacock in studio today, and I'm sure a lot of you are out there wondering, who is this guy? And why do I care what he has to say? It's a valid question. Very fair. <laughs> And one of our main goals is uh, all of our special guests that we bring in are going to provide some sort of knowledge that Graham and I, ourselves, might not necessarily hold. Cannot impart. Do not possess. So they're here to help you guys out. Well, Gay Peacock isn't necessarily one of these examples <laughs> of people could, that it could enhance many situations. But, nonetheless, <laughs> he's somebody from Atlanta and he has his own special memories of Atlanta sports that maybe some of us could connect to. Am I wrong? You might be. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gabe, let's just start. Uh, give childhood. You played baseball with us. Uh, it's a what phenomenal are, catcher. Yes. But that, <laughs> inconsequential. <laughs> I didn't give my hand to you yet. You played baseball with us. You grew up going to Braves games with us. Give us some of your earliest and fondest Atlanta sports memories. I do distinctly remember uh, the World Series. Do you not? 95, 95. or 99. Oh, yeah? Sitting in the Ruse household. That's uh, Marion Walt Rue. <laughs> <laughs> Watching Marquise Grissom make the um, unbelievable catch against the Grissom on bar. the run! Yeah. Wow. And I remember, I remember going to, uh, we went to the parade. Did you know? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Skip school. Skip school to do that. So where uh, where exactly did the parade take place? Oh, I don't know. Probably Peachtree <laughs> Street, I would Correct. presume. But I don't remember. I was six fucking years old. But you remember that being a happy memory. Absolutely. So yeah. And I remember, I remember going to uh, Braves games uh, quite frequently. So who would you, you get s- hot dogs in the uh, tinfoil, <laughs> boiled peanuts. <laughs> yes, they do serve those at stadiums. <laughs> A so, rare delicacy. <laughs> Only in Atlanta do we serve hot dogs <laughs> and boiled peanuts. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember going to a Knights game too. Do you remember that? Atlanta Knights. I mean, that was old minor league hockey team. That's way the hell back. Yeah. I mean, that was probably 
one of my favorite parts about the uh, the Knights, not to, to interject real quick, oh, no, was please. during the national anthem, during the night lyric, everybody would scream, Knight! That's pretty crazy. That when, when were the Knights uh, disbanded? I think in the late 90s or maybe mid-90s. So back to the Braves <laughs> game. Who were some of your uh, favorite players growing up? Marquise Grissom said that one already. Classic. Chipper can't. I mean, Chipper's just a standard. David Justice. You want know, me to just say all the ones that, that were really great when we were kids? Because that's who they were. <laughs> oh, Keith Lockhart. What about Keith Lockhart? There we go. Was was a, now we're talking. Mark Limke. Loved Mark Limke. The Limmer. The Limmer, yeah. So I uh, didn't love Mark Limke as a as a commentator, though. Did he, still he, he still does stuff on uh, the 680 and. His voice he's is kinda, not yeah. made for radio. No, exactly. He's like, now fans, nah, you're gonna yeah, he's real welcome nice to though. the home of the Braves. This is six eighty to fan. I love Don Sutton. I like. I mean, I love Don Sutton as a as a voice. Indeed, sure. <laughs> um, I got I got a, I got a question for you again. So you grew Thank up. God. You you. <laughs> yeah. You you uh, you grew up with Atlanta sports. You clearly have some fond memories. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember during the Mike Vick era of the Falcons, mm. you purchased a Rod Coleman defensive tackle number 75 jersey. which and shows ordered that from East Bay uh, Magazine. <laughs> which shows that you were a very involved fan if you know who Rod Coleman yeah. was. Yeah. He's a I remember, tackle Rod, back in yeah, the day. I remember we because of you. Yeah, I remember we watched the NFC Championship game against the Eagles together yeah. at your house. Indeed. In 2005, early 2005. And, um, or whatever it was. And uh, so... But we've noticed over the years that you haven't given as much a shit about Atlanta sports <laughs> as you did when you were younger. Right. I'm curious as to when the disconnect started. How can we help you through this uh, this time? How can you coax me back into uh, yeah? Like, like 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 what what? I'm really interested more so not getting you back. I'm interested in what made you break away. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think I think that was a. A rare spark. I don't think I ever was, even in that time. I enjoyed watching the Falcons, and that was <clears throat> right. That was with Vic. Yeah, yeah. So that was that just was like a, Mike. that was an exciting team. Yeah, enjoyable to watch. Very classic very, bandwagon situation. Yeah, no. It, I mean, in actuality, yeah, it was like I, you know, again wanted them to win. They were enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Are are very very entertaining to watch beyond even other teams that might win more. They but were very. You're, like, you're not the type who could hunker down through the Joey Harrington era. No, no, no. That's <laughs> you, not, Bobby Petrino era. Out that yeah, time. Yeah. Chris Chandler. Well, he did get us to the Super Bowl game. That's yeah, that's different things. Beside the point. I he's feel like you're just throwing out man. names at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. <laughs> but I'm interested to know. So no. <laughs> the Falcons are a different story. Yeah. You even gave up well, real quick before you transition. You gave up your Rod Coleman jersey. I did. <laughs> so clearly, yeah, bandwagon there for the Falcons. So anyway. Moving back to the Braves, right? It seems like you have much more of an attachment from an early age to the Braves than you did the Falcons. Yeah. So what what caused you to stop really living or dying with the Braves? Well, even then, I think <laughs> uh, no, I really so like I enjoy watching all of these sports, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I've never just I've just never been someone who's going to attach my like general life enjoyment to this team playing a game. That's going to affect my life. So it's always been woven in. It was never like a transition or went through an arc or anything. I remember being very upset when... uh, Here's a good example. When I was older, Mm -hmm. and I I did love UGA, and I wanted UGA to win games, Mm -hmm. there was, I mean, uh, my, my fifth year in school, when we should have won... The SEC championship against Alabama oh, and lost, brutal. and then and then obviously would have gone on to win the national championship. I was very upset about that, but even that, it it quickly I was like over it after you know? a day. You're yeah, fine. I was like, all right, I'll be all right. Yeah, um, that's great and all, but we don't discuss college sports on this podcast. <laughs> We're strictly Atlanta professional sports, well, so please. Well, I think try that, to, that gives some context, though. Yeah, right? at least gave so, it a little emotion. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and so again, so even with Atlanta, like I do like. Back in the day, loved the Braves, but it wasn't going to be what you know determined my daily uh, right. outlook on life. That's fair. I'm just different. 
I suppose, than you guys. Just different. <laughs> <laughs> Not, no, no, I'm saying... I'm no, so it's like a general people or yeah, different no, interests. I, and yeah. I think that makes sense. Well, and I mean, I don't know. It just kind of goes in waves of like, I did, I, I watched almost every Falcons game last year. Fair. Major bandwagon. Once they were good, obviously, I was like, oh, this is cool. You yeah. weren't there for week one against Tampa Bay. I was not. Um, and just the other day, watching football for the first time in, whatever, ten months, I was like, can you fucking believe that we lost that Super Bowl? Okay, you know, like that like clicked back into my mind. I was okay. definitely upset about it. That's mm-hmm. good. But hadn't thought about it for, you know, ten months. So I think the question... Shifts to us, Adam. And then, and then again, I will. I care to watch the Falcons games. Right. Like I enjoy, you know, like right. I, uh, I like Matt Ryan a shit ton. So fair, but I think the question shifts back to us, Adam. Why do we care so much about? Why can't we distance ourselves to the point where it doesn't dominate our 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 minds, our spirits, whatever, to the point where we can just live like Gabe, where we can. Be carefree, enjoy it, but not have but it. but not have this emotional attachment to the point where we want to just like ah, we just want to like tear our hair out over the outcome of a of a sporting event. Well, you know, it's kind of like uh, Fifty Cent said, "Sunny days wouldn't be special if it wasn't for rain. Um, Joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain." So while Gabe's here in the middle, taking uh, you know, he could give it or leave it. Our lowest of lows. Take it or leave it, I think, is the phrase. Whatever game. <laughs> Our lowest of lows suck, but were we to win, we would have enjoyed it'll that get, tenfold over a gay peacock type character. I agree with that, too. Like, it'll de- like again, last year, <clears throat> winning the Super Bowl would have mattered a ton more to y'all yes. than it would have to me. Mm. So I think, Which that, is, I think that's why I gave it. As I said, largely I was, uh, I was more upset about it, the loss seeing y'all versus actually not really caring about the win or the loss. Graham, same question right back at you. I think, once again, I always go back to my upbringing. I always go back to my roots where it was like I was raised on Braves baseball and that's what we did every day. And then even when we didn't do it every day, it was always there. Um, It was a thing where it was like that was my nuclear family coming together and sharing something that we all enjoyed, and that made the the bonds stronger. And I think that just that carried over to all the all the sports. Honestly, I mean, when I when I associate any sport at this point in my life, I think about why do I give a shit? And it comes back to family, and it comes back to the, our friends, it comes back to the people I've shared it with, and it's that bond that is more important than the game. And if we're gonna get a little deeper here for the first time in Atlanta's own history. If you look at the political times nowadays and just how divisive the entire country is, it honestly is through something like sports where you see people from all different walks coming together and bonding over something as crazy as Atlanta sports game, Falcons. Like, yeah, I mean, you think... It seems stupid, but it, it's meaningful. So we're wrapping this up for all these crazy motherfuckers here. I'm Graham Waldrop. Hospitalmanus up. <laughs>